0: Hi guys, welcome back to You Get the Gist. I'm your host Diana and today we are having another special episode. I have decided to do another episode with a guest in here. So please welcome Two-Way Brigade. He is an Indian rapper that has been living in Germany for quite a while, but I will let him do the rest of the introduction himself.
1: Yeah, uh, so hey, what's up everybody? My name is Tui Brigade, and I've been living in Europe for the past two years right now. Uh, one year in Poland, um, making music and studying, and now in Germany as well. And I'm really happy to be on um, You Get The Gist podcast. Uh, and I was really thankful for Diana to help me have this um, session with her
0: thank you so much for taking the time to be here and to doing this episode with me and for everybody not knowing two-way brigade is going to drop another new song this sunday i will leave all the links down below so make sure to check it out for the past weeks i have been noticing changes in my awareness about the topic of religion and faith generally so if you've been around for quite a while listening to you get the gist I have mentioned quite some times that I am a Christian, that I believe in God and Jesus and all about that, but I have started asking different questions and as I'm gaining more consciousness, I'm kind of starting to see that a veil is falling off of Christianity and of the belief that I used to be part of for my entire life. And now I have invited Two-Way Brigade here to join me in this quest on trying to find out how to bridge the, let's say, the part between um, religion and spirituality. Would you mind telling me your stand about your belief system?
1: So I was a Christian for up until 2017. I would say more or less based on my family beliefs and values. I still am in a way but i wouldn't say that i'm a practicing christian because i stopped going to church in 2017 because i just found myself that the fear that a lot of religion uh, religious values indoctrinate people into believing needs to be let go because the true freedom comes from believing without the fear
0: i absolutely agree to that and um, if you say that you used to be a Christian, how would you describe your belief system now?
1: I would say right now I would I would be more or less a pantheist or 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 or, 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 or agnostic or agnostic to 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 the maximum extent because um, you know when you're born into a religious family you are not given a lot of choices to choose from. And when you grow up and then you're able to think by yourself and make independent decisions, at that moment, uh, you get to decide whether the path that you were on already is good for you or not. And um, for me, I knew that, that there needed to be a change and therefore I chose that.
0: All right. So for everybody not knowing, pantheism is a type of, let's say, belief system. That basically describes that you believe in a higher energy, a higher power, but it's not, um, it's not connected to a specific religion. Am I right?
1: Uh, well, pantheism is basically a doctrine that the universe is conceived of a whole as God. Basically, what they're trying to say is, um, everything is. Is pantheism is talking about how the whole universe itself is God Uh, by that meaning you cannot really find the answer of where the universe started from or or came from or what it is but we do know that it exists and if you look back historical evidences on many religious books and 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 beliefs this is really something in common that they have that uh, God is everywhere so that's basically what pantheism is
0: so even in Christianity, we say that God has carved us to be like Him. So would it also mean that we have a part of God within ourselves, or that we are in some shape or form God ourselves?
1: Yeah, when you when you try to mention, um, especially in the case of mono mono monotheistic uh, religious practices. Um, the common uh, value and idea that most people have is that the God in you is basically the good in you. But then, when you go to also polytheistic religious, that means when you believe in not just one God but many gods, you start to see this sort of, um, you know, a dualism and then non-dualism of yin and yang. And basically, but yin and yang ex- exists, but then at the same time they're also in a circle. So, so this is—it um, really depends on how people perceive their own life. But um, I would say, um, yeah, it's—it's it's definitely there's no one certain clear definition.
0: Trying to find more truth and more substance to my reoccurring thoughts and to kind of see what is the deal with God and who is God and how can I kind of define him more or get to know him better, I have purchased a book. It's called God, a human history of religion. And I didn't quite finish it yet, but it's basically the author saying that we as humans have always somehow known that there is a higher entity out there and that we are not alone here in in our realm, and that there is a spiritual realm out there, and that God is somehow within us, because we have humanized him, we've always tried to do that, we have Jesus being a human, being born by a woman, we have God that has created us to be like him, which would imply that he is also human-like, and we basically have always tried to make him tangible, to depict him in a way that looks similar to us and i don't think that we've done him right as i'm not sure if we can define god to be a human just like us or like let's say the perfect human that never sins or never does anything wrong always has only good and i would like to know how do you if you have a picture of god how do you see god
1: yeah you know humanity is always questioned like what if like this deep question that it has like who like who is god or what does god look like and when we go past history um mostly they've kind of drawn this conclusion as this guiding figure um, i would say anthropologically speaking we always had this um issue because we're really social animals and we always had like, this system of hierarchy because mammals uh, have hierarchy um, in, their, um, in their society. And therefore, uh, the, the, the principle of guidance and protection was mostly associated with God. So therefore, we can see that in history, it always was a man manly figure uh, in, in, in many um, Abrahamic-based uh, faiths because um, of the time and the revelin- relevance in society where they were able to take decisions, but then if you go back to certain uh, you know african south American uh, relief systems, you'll also find like the combination of man and woman so basically because you know you need you need man and woman to 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 create new life and 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 therefore what I always think is um it's a philosophical question which will never be answered and which should never be answered but i think what's really important is for us to keep asking so that we can try to change our lifestyle and our mindset and our thinking and our awareness in order to kind of reach the goal of finding peace within us
0: if you are trying to become more conscious and to expand the mindfulness and expand your knowledge of the spiritual realm what practices do you do to get there?
1: Uh, well, mindfulness itself is a practice. I mean, I've been practicing mindfulness since 2015. Um, and um, I was introduced to one of my great friends who, was, um, who is a Buddhist uh, to this uh, Zen monk. Um, so he is a famous monk. Um, his name is Tich Nhat Hanh a very famous book called The Miracle of Mindfulness. I would suggest everybody to read at least the backside of the book, at least. Uh, it's a beautiful book. Um, what the book in summary tells is that it's important for us to be aware because the moment you think about being aware, you're aware. And it's just a constant cycle of um, support system within our, our, our brain and our thinking capacity to increase. Um, and, of course, the book teaches many techniques and practices to go through if you want to become more mindful and more aware. Because we live in a world, uh, and we have always have lived in a world of stress, um, you know, anger, um, you know, and, 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 and need-based uh, and, and, and a want-based world. Uh, you know, we don't usually find things what we need, but we just uh, go for it behind things that we want. Mindfulness basically teaches us how to separate the needs from the wants, but mentally first, you know, how to think what we actually need rather than think in a way in which what we want. So this practice helps people to become spiritually, religiously, physically, mentally, um, you know, metaphysically like physio-mentally more aware of their body, their environment and their setting. And this is definitely a practice a lot of people don't do usually. And and this, which practice, the people who have done it have said that it's changed their life.
0: I absolutely love that. And I'm going to link the book that you have mentioned down below for everybody that's interested in learning more about this topic. And for me, I have started to actively... Um, let's say widen the horizon of my consciousness by implementing a daily meditation at least one per day every day and not skipping it i have just sometimes i'm visualizing and other times i'm just letting the thoughts flow and it's so crazy to see how a thought bounces out off to the next and it just makes me realize that whatever is in my mind as of right now is always reoccurring thoughts it's things that I know things that I heard of or things that I've experienced but it's never something higher something bigger something new I only have those moments when I feel really connected to my highest self to my spiritual self it's when I feel like my brain is like an open vessel to new energies and higher purpose things let's say and when I'm too closed off and too much in this world, I don't get any new input. And so I love when I have those moments of of revelation, of new information that I can continue to work on. And I definitely strive to have that more often because to my liking, it doesn't happen often enough. And I just think that it's it's the thing of practice and it's a thing of patience and diligence and you have to keep on doing so. And... Besides meditating, I also got a lot more into yoga. But as of right now, still being a yoga beginner, it's just the physical um, the physical aspect of it for me. It makes me feel a lot better, more alive and more connected to my body and to movement. But I don't have quite yet the connection between mind and body. It's just two different entities for me. and I think that the goal is to have them become one. To have the soul and the body become one and see that we are in fact just one entity in general, all of the humans, all of the souls, all of the collective. And I think that that's absolutely beautiful. As you know, for the past, let's say, two episodes, I've been talking about the concept of dharma, the soul's purpose. Um, and I wanted to know what is your opinion about this do you believe that we as souls have a purpose why we're here on earth a purpose to make somebody's lives better by just putting our talents to work for the collective or do you think that life in itself is just like a random a random course of things that are happening
1: well, the answer to that question is, of course, a really deep one. Because, you know, humans did create this concept, right? We created all these concepts by ourselves. So the question that we need to ask is, who is the subject and who is the object? And, and in many cases, we are both. Therefore, yes, we are born into this, um, you know, universe and this, this, this dimension, this life. And we give the purpose on our life, um, sometimes guided by other people. Sometimes we create our own purposes. And if you look at it, some people don't think about any of this because they think that their purpose is a short term or medium term or long term. Many people avoid thinking about what their value of life in society is. And I think that's something that really lacks in society. Um, But I do believe that if we're alive and the time that we have left on this planet being, um, you know, breathing this great air and being healthy and happy, we have the ability and the capacity to make a difference. So if we have all these things within us, um, in our, in our, in our capacity to do so, then why not do it? Because we can see that the positive emotions and the positive vibrations actually transfer from one individual to another and it, and then it resembles society as a general
0: yeah so i just really love the concept of raising the general vibration of the earth by just sharing what we have best of us and trying to help others see the light within i feel like that is my dharma to inspire and to make people aware of the endless power that they have within and that they can in fact also help others with their own sets of talents and their own energies in general so um how would you describe your dharma if i was asking you to do that
1: i would say i take it as it comes um as a child i've always thought about like what's the purpose of life ever since i was as far as i can remember maybe five five, four years old, Um, I always used to ask this question because I was really influenced by the fact that we're so lucky to be alive and to get many things that other, other people don't. And when we see that there is an opportunity for our life to be better, and we have a chance to make other people's life better as well, then what i believed when i as as a child was that i can definitely do it because the problem with this primal thinking capacity of human being is that we are so tuned to gathering and saving the resources for our survival that we are forgetting that We're not living like the way we did a thousand, couple of thousand years ago anymore. And we have more than enough on this planet to share and survive. Um, And that's really what inspired me to think that I need to um, also partake in my life. When I get a chance to support people and help people, I hope that I can do it. And I would say probably that would be my dharma, if, if you would call it like that.
0: So... Sometimes I like to say that many people are living in NPC mode and they're just not asking the bigger questions of life because maybe they're overwhelmed by the answer they might or also might not get. That questions like, why am I here? Who is God? Are too big to ask because we're never going to have a definite answer. We're never going to know and we're always just going to assume... Or do you think that there is another reason behind it why so many people are just living so unconscious on autopilot and not even having the wish to ask bigger questions?
1: Yeah, I think what happened was when we transitioned after the Cold War and there was this globalization of the economy, many of the things were driven and directed towards resource mobilization you know, purchasing of goods and services, and creating employment, and therefore having a lot of financial freedom, uh, and and purchasing power uh, for every individual on the planet. And now you can see that people are really happy not to go to work because that's what they think that they they want to do. Uh, of course, uh, in a, in a normal situation, but also because they would like to save the money to spend it. You know. And since um, this philosophical but yet really important concept of why money needs to exist in society has given the people the wrong motivation to kind of uh, in general uh, to live because yes, we do need, like I said, you know, we do need certain things like food, water shelter, uh, relationships um, and and, uh, and and entertainment to to some extent but, I think the needs are forgotten, and people are going behind what they want too much and I think th- at this moment the, the the greed and and the excessive consumeristic thinking has 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 left people into the spiraling path towards not thinking about themselves, about their health, about their um, their their lifestyle and and what the future might hold um, for for their you know overall betterment and and healthy life
0: I totally agree to that and it really deeply saddens me to see people around me that I love and that I value so much be so down about things that are so insignificant like for example um, I have a good friend and she loves to shop and all she does is shop there is almost no day in the week where she does not get a new package from her online shopping and most of that she sends back But she still continues to purchase and purchase and purchase. And it's always the same thing. It's either way skincare or it's clothing or makeup. Things like that. Which are, to some extent, you don't need them anymore. Because yes, you do have let's say, five pairs of trousers, you have five jackets, you have five t-shirts, why do you need more? Why can you not be satiated by that what you already have? And when it comes to makeup, maybe you're like so creative and you want to have all of the colors of the rainbow and beyond and you have them in a palette, why do you need a second and a third palette? Why do you need so many things of this of the same sort? And I have... Since November I have started to mindfully spend and to not recklessly spend anymore as that was one thing that um, was very active in my life. I did not buy a thousand sorts of the same clothing or makeup but for me it was that I spent um, small amounts on things that I didn't even count. It was just like, oh it's 5 euros here, it's 10 euros there. But it accumulated at some point and I started to write down in my budget planner and see how much money I was just throwing out the window, wasting, um, and I could have saved that to go on a trip to, I don't know, maybe to a yoga retreat or to another country in order to learn more about the cultures and to expand my consciousness and so in the first month, I saw that I spent 400 euros on absolutely nothing. It was just like, I don't know, eating out or the, the small things that did not even count. And ever since I have started to really pay attention to what I pay, I have been able to save so much money. I think it was almost like 700 euros in two months and... It was so crazy to me to see that, man, minimalism really is key. And that is when I was thinking of Jesus and I was thinking of monks that don't own much, but still they were so fulfilled because they were self-sufficient. They saw that everything they needed was deep, deep within. It was not uh, five pairs of sandals in Jesus' case. It was just one. And he did not need another one because his one was already functional. And so... I really want to to look for solutions on how to come down from consumerism and how to learn to be more self sufficient when it comes to the material realm because I think that that's um where you should start best
1: yeah um you know you know growing up in 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 india uh for for up until i was twenty one um I wanted to get things that I saw on TV, because I didn't know how it felt to possess. Um, And I think this is basically the deep question, you know, um, what are we lacking? And what are we doing to fill these gaps that are lacking in our life? And for many people, the option is pretty simple and easy they go on a spending screen. And uh, because they think that because they have this time is equal to money, is equal to power, is equal to happiness uh, formula, then they think that there is something that's missing in their life that they need, and therefore they go buy it. And then it all comes down to when you see the brain and how these different hormones react to different stimulus that we get from performing these activities. The problem is dopamine um, is a really sensitive to uh, stimulus uh, hormone. Uh, Rather than dopamine, we need more serotonin because serotonin is a hormone that gives you, um, uh, you know, peace, you know, blissfulness and, and more balanced way of thinking. Whereas when people get addicted to doing something that they really like, and that makes them happy, the dopamine gets produced in their body and the dopamine, every time it reacts to stimulus, it gets addictive. And then it fuels these addictive habits, whether it's smoking, drinking, shopping, um, etc.
0: So dopamine being the hormone that is addictive, I get that, and serotonin being the hormone that makes us feel more balanced and within ourselves, how can we get more serotonin and how can we avoid the dopamine? I mean, for example, I have been trying to get better skin and to get clear skin because I suffer from acne since I was 13 and now I'm 25. And I think that that is more than enough time to suffer from something, and I think it should be over with. And I have noticed that eating less sugar or trying to get close to no sugar and eating less pork, or better say, no pork as of right now, is what kind of helps me a lot. Plus, I'm taking a lot of zinc to me and um also other supplements and i think that the mix is just good in general so it was very difficult for me to get off sugar and off pork because i was just so accustomed to eating that it was just in my diet, it was part of it and it was always there. It was accessible and it was easy to get and it's easy to eat because it's fast, it's quick and it sati- it, it just satiates my hunger. But now when I'm paying a bit more attention, I can still eat something sweet in form of fruits and I can still, still eat meat in a form of, for example, chicken, which is just as accessible, both of them. So I really think that just trying to make a change and starting there where you are with small but gradually getting more steps, that is basically key to getting off of this dopamine addiction. But maybe you have another tip, for example, for smokers or drinkers, how to get off that. I have tried to get my smoking friends so often off of cigarettes but i have come to the conclusion that if the change does not happen within it cannot happen from outside so obviously there is maybe a key or two on how to kind of change the brain chemistry of those people by intention setting for example to get them off their dopamine addiction what do you think
1: yeah for me i think um even i also suffered from uh, some eating disorders. Uh, when I was younger, sometimes now and then it depends on how my mental health is. But what I've noticed, is, uh, that works really well, and from time to time, time and time again, from many health practitioners and a lot of people, have said that you know we need to use dopamine as a, as as a as a motivation, as a reward um, uh, base hormone. So. That means if you want to feel good of doing something, for example, I like to eat potato chips. Um, I would eat my lunch first and finish it off and then wait for some time and then eat the potato chips Um, uh, so that I know that I still did something which is supposed to be done normally in terms of my good health. And then I do it as an incentive just for me to feel good in my mind, in my, in my brain, basically. That's that's one technique. And there's also another technique where, imagine you, uh, for, for the gamers out there, you know, they, they really like playing games. You know, imagine you want to play that game that you were waiting to play. What you do is you finish your schoolwork or your, or your, or your, your professional job work. You finish all that. You have like a really hard day where you're actually exercising your mental physical capacity to to create something to create a new neural link in your brain. And then after all that hard work, you have to reward yourself and then you reward yourself with that dopamine. Problem is what people do is they reward themselves without the incentive given to them in the beginning. So they'd rather do something that makes them feel good, and then do something that doesn't make them feel good. And I realized that this technique of doing something that you really need to put effort, and then rewarding yourself after that with this stimulus that makes the dopamine in your brain always gives you a more positive, um, what do you call it, um, positive association with the stimulus and, and and the response, and that's the whole game. Uh, what people forget because um, you know hard, you know the word hard work pays off. Hard work. Creates serotonin in your brain and 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 pays off creates dopamine in your brain and that's how it goes
0: so would you just kind of try to let's say trick the people into getting the work done first and then if they still need to uh get the dopamine hit after and then with with time serotonin is going to be uh, constantly so high that that will be rewarding enough and so they will not need the dopamine anymore
1: well, in an ideal situation, it starts to get higher. And then the, the stimulus itself will reduce because then you have basically trained your brain into thinking like, Okay, I need to do this, this task and then reward myself and then this task and then they reward myself. Over time, what you start to notice is that you will do you will start doing the task because that'll feel really, really good. Because no matter how much you do it, you don't feel like it goes more, more, more. You just feel like in a really calm, constant state. And then later, if it's a good habit or a bad habit, they give you a stimulus for your dopamine response. That will give you then you start to question, then you start to question whether you would you would, you wanna you want to, you want this stimulus to take place um, in your brain or not. And that's what I've noticed many times, you know, when I started to have, when I had a bad habit, which I wanted to do, these type of things um, really um, created a difference in my thinking capacity. And that's what I would, I would say, um, I definitely agree with what you said that this, this, um, this tends to happen.
0: Mhm I agree to that as well um I see it the way you do and I think that that is a good way to go on about getting things done and also getting off addictive behavior that is not really beneficial because I do think there are good addictions out there if you hold them to a specific um to a, in a specific range and not overdo it because there's also that saying that says too much of a good thing of a good thing won't be good after all and so for example, reading. If you read too much, you will suffer in other parts of your life. For example, the social aspect. Because you, you read by yourself, you, you, obviously. wear glasses. Right, but that, <laughs> that is not glasses. why I wear glasses. I've just been born with bad eyes, come on. But I don't want to sit on that for longer. And I actually want to start doing eye training in order to kind of get to focus my eyes bit more and to be able to be out there without glasses or without contact lenses but yeah that's a topic for another day (laughs) thank you for that also what what i was what i was thinking about is so many people get nothing done and they are so deep in their laziness and in sluggishness feeling that why are they supposed to go to work they have they don't want to go to work they don't want to get their paperwork done they don't want to go to the gym basically they don't want to do anything that brings that brings good results because it's connected with putting in the work it's connected connected with getting out of bed and actually partaking partaking uh, a part in life and so what would you say if For example, I would be such a person and I would come to you to ask for help. How could you help me get out of this state of mind and start being active in life?
1: Well, I think I always um, think about the most important question is, have you analyzed or have you thought about your mental health? You know, this is the question that I always ask somebody. and, And like we discussed earlier, many people don't care. And which is sad for me to hear because that just shows how much val- how much value that they give for themselves and 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 many people say oh I'm fine like you know and that's also um, a great thing to hear people say but I would say an expected reply in in, in my case and of course the subjective would be you know there have been some good and some bad times but you know, I think um, um, I'm as good as everybody else. Uh, maybe sometimes it's not that great, but most of the times it's good. Uh, but overall, it's okay. You know, like a really, like a really thought out answer because every answer, the way people give out these answers, you get to know how much thought that they put inside it. And, 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 and something that comes with laziness is, is also because it, it's associated with ADHD it's associated with OCD. So I think it's also important, like, you know, the same question, you know, how is your lifestyle? How's your diet? How's your social interactions? How's your self interaction? What are your good habits? What are your bad habits? How can you make these changes in your life and see whether you get motivated because then again, you know, the mind is what makes people do everything. And if you have the right mindset, people say mindset mindset bro, mindset the mindset is the mind's settings right I love that. when you open your phone right when you open your phone you know everybody's phone is has their own settings for their own convenience so 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 what is what what are the settings that you put in your mind in order for you to um make sure that your mind is functioning the way you want it to and not by the factory setting whatever like people give up like whatever um or is it some sort of um i don't know you copy somebody else's but you're not doing something that's convenient for you i think that's a super important question to ask
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i have also uh, come to the conclusion that maybe taking a good look deep inside will be scaring you off because maybe there is some trauma in there that you don't want to face maybe there are some experiences and some memories that you don't want to recollect and that you have pushed so far in your unconscious mind that you don't want to access them ever again and you there are intense feelings that want to be felt but you have closed them off again within and you are blocking them from expressing into this world because you don't want to feel the feelings and I think it's just so tragic that we don't want to accept and to feel our feelings because we categorize them in being positive ones and negative ones. But a feeling is an it's, it's a objective. It's just there. It's a feeling. It has nothing to do with the truth. It's just how you perceive a situation based on your state of mind right now. For example, if I'm in a pissed off situation, state of mind and some small inconvenience happens that's going to drive me absolutely nuts it's going to make me go crazy and if I'm in a good peaceful state of mind I would probably not even notice because it's such a small inconvenience and so that's why I'm saying that feelings are very subjective to the state the general state that you are in the mind settings as you called them a bit earlier I really love that and I think that Suppressing feelings is definitely one of the most detrimental things that we can do to, to, to actively destruct our inner balance. And I think that not really, uh, if you ask me how you're doing and I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to say fine and I'm not going to put another thought into it because I don't even want to go there. I don't want to think about how I'm doing because maybe I know I'm not doing well, but I'm suppressing it because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to feel even worse. But the solution to not feeling even worse is basically to face it. It is to face the fears, to face the insecurities, to get past them, to work through them, to have a dark night of the soul, maybe two, maybe three to go through drastic changes, to start from zero, to, to get reborn, to die and, and be born again, to go on quests that you never thought that you were going to go in order to expand who you are and to understand who you are better. And I think that understanding who we are is the most substantial thing that we are here to do because God is complex and so we are complex as well as we are agreeing that we are a consciousness and that we're all interconnected somewhere. And how are you, with your limited human brain, going to try to comprehend all of those big intergalactic knowledge that is out there if you're not even able to handle the small human emotions that you're trying to suppress?
1: Yeah, I think that um, many people... um... Well, you know, they 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 don't want to uh, answer this, uh, this 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 question because they don't seem um, you know interested in in answering this first of all. Because we also have to ask the question: What type of family were you raised in? You know, these 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 questions really matter to me because I see the impact. right? I see the impact. And um, and I see how from the first seven years of a child's life, all those things matter. I worked with children uh, in Canada where I used to teach football, but through teams from the age group of 12 to 6. And the scientific reasoning why this was a really successful and awesome program was that the people who participated in this learned the values that they needed, you know, teamwork, organization, creativity, exercise, you know, thinking capacity. Because from zero to seven, the brain is like a sponge. So whatever you feed the brain from zero to seven will be reflected in seven times all the years. And, and um, what takes place during the upbringing of a child in, in, in an individual's family? really, really matters to what these people think in the future, in their life. And, 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 and if they've been not given the right setting guidance, you know, what traumas, um, you know, how they were looked after, will determine how this individual would end up thinking in the future. And I've seen cases, many, many cases and, and people who I know, who I know when they have some sort of a complicated family, they are also a little bit complicated individual. We all are, but there's a threshold for being, you know, this, in this, some sort of a normal, whereas, you know, there are some people who who burst the threshold, who really go on top. So I think those are the questions that people need to ask themselves. You know, have I had family trauma? And is this family trauma impacting my mental health in the long term? And how does that, my family, my family or the generational trauma, has left me into being the individual I am right
0: now. Most definitely. The ancestral trauma that we carry within is hardwired. It is in our DNA. We are basically, a part of us is made out of it. And I think that it is, first of all, very important to acknowledge the first seven years of your life. As you said, I love the concept because I also read something about that our lives are... Are parted in seven-year spans, like from zero to seven, from seven to 14, from 14 to 21, and so on and so forth, and that are like the different chapters of your life, and I can definitely identify myself within those chapters, because when I started my third chapter at 21, that is when I started my consciousness journey, and before I was totally living on autopilot, I was just in my childhood and my adolescence era, and just trying to figure out who i am as a human and to just live and have fun and experience and in the third chapter i started to ask the bigger questions and i'm very keen to see the next chapters how they're going to unfold but coming back to the trauma setting yes i do see that we are just like sponges and especially when bad things happen in your childhood in your early childhood they do leave marks and we have to live with them for the rest of our lives. And if we don't work through them, we're going to continue to pass them on. And that is basically how we most probably got them because maybe um, our parents were abusive with us and it is because their parents were abusive with them and their parents were abusing with them before that. And I think that we have to break the cycle that we have reached this era of mass awakening and mass curse breaking because we are here to continue on to give good examples and to pass on the positive and the good without the trauma and to not traumatize our kids. If you see kids out there that are not traumatized, it's kind of a rare thing. And I must say, I'm very fortunate that I have not been traumatized in the first seven years of my life i can really say that i'm like one of the very 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 lucky ones and i'm extremely grateful to my parents and my environment for that but then later on in life when i turned 16 17 18 19 that is when my trauma happened and that also brought me to my first rock bottom so it's not like if you didn't have any problems in the first years of your life you're good to go and your life is going to be smooth sailing from here on you're always um object to to falling into pits if you're not conscious about every step of of your doing and you cannot constantly be that especially not when you're not thinking about all of those things not thinking about your mental health maybe you have had just like let's say a neutral upcoming and your parents were not didn't have a strong belief system you therefore also don't have a strong belief system and then you just wander about you graduate from school and then you're like what now who am i now i don't know shit about who i am i don't know shit about what i want to do i don't know why i'm here and that is the, when the existential crisis hits um and i feel like i had a mix between that and also being in the wrong circles And in the wrong environment, that has taken advantage of me not being problematic, but hanging around with only problematic people and in problematic um, environments. That have led me to attract those problems upon myself as well. So how do you think about working past all of this trauma in order to stop the curse and stop the ancestral trauma from passing on?
1: And I think this is a really important question to for people to ask. Again, I think all, all these questions are really important to ask yourself once in your life at least. Um, to work past things, I always consider uh, two things. You know, one is one is the ego, or one is the ego, and how I would like to frame it. I ego, you go, me ego, we go. You know, and and then everybody's everybody has their own thing. And, 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 and that's the way it should be. And, and that's really beautiful, the fact that we exist in, in a really multi-dimensional setting. But at the same time, you need to ask yourself whether you really want to investigate and, and answer these questions and at least come up with a plan to manage this. Because sometimes you can never fully get rid of trauma. You can manage it in such a way that you start to see the light more than the darkness. And then you're able to overcome it through strength practice. Um, and the second aspect is the Tao. The Tao is basically yin and yang, if I can say it in simple words. The Tao, you know, it's important for you to recognize the good in the bad, the bad in the good. The fact that all these things happen in your life because the fact that they are supposed to happen, and also because you are in them as well. And without you being in these situations, you will not have got awareness to come out of it or have that awareness to think about it now that you're not there in it anymore. And I think that Tao really represents the duality within, within the singularity of life, which is really beautiful, that the awareness always comes from your experiences and then later you go back to recognizing that without that, you wouldn't be the person who you are right now. And the last one is, of course, this is, um, it's, a, it's a physiological thing. It's the parasympathetic uh, nervous system. It's the it's the autonomous nervous system. About how the nervous system automatically chooses a familiar, like, you know, chooses a familiar hell rather than an unfamiliar heaven, right? Because they're so used to this pattern that the body starts to like, like be like, give excuses and find reasons. So we start developing this pattern that's associated with our nervous system where we're in this habit of doing something that we don't know why even we're doing just because our body is just trying to protect us from getting into that zone, which we don't know, which might be really helpful for us. But it doesn't want to because, again, it's all linked to evolution. It's all linked to society. And again, you know, you see the pattern the never-ending circle of doom. Um, and, and, and what I realized is you don't need to be a psychologist or, or a psychiatrist to recognize these things. You, all you need to do is care about yourself in such a way that you, you want to ask these questions to see whether you value yourself as much as you do, not materialistically, you know, but 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 mentally and 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 spiritually
0: i absolutely love that you said that it just kind of comes to show that self-love really is literally key to everything to your every um, issue that you have you can solve it with a pinch of self-love or maybe in some other areas of your life you would need a bit more than that and if you don't value who your soul is, if you don't value the energy within the divinity that you have within yourself, you cannot you cannot possibly value anything else in life, basically, because everything is interconnected through this divine energy. And if you don't... Um, value it within yourself you don't value it in general and trying to put value on other people by obsessing over other people or obsessing over things over your profession over something that you're trying to define yourself through in order to accept yourself and to value yourself is definitely not what is going to be key to your self-love journey and you're never going to get there if all you do is look for validation from outside if you don't even get that from within the one from outside has no substance.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I agree with this. And, and of course, this is part of the learning process of who you are. And, 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 and I like to input this word into every conversations that I have with people when we are discussing many different topics. Always try to be equitable, right? And, and, and the meaning of equitable uh, is basically fill in the gaps where you need to uh, by taking the things where you have more than enough, right? And and, and, and most people think that, um, oh, you know, if I, if I end up doing something like this, this is going to be fine. Um, and the deeper question is, if I end up doing this by using something that I already have in my strength, uh, you know, for example, I write music, and I'm able to come up with so many creative patterns when I write music. And sometimes I think this is so funny. How did I end up doing all this stuff? And then later, I think it's because my brain, which has, you know, many elements of uh, me, being having, me having ADHD, is able to think really fast to create patterns, right? But at the same time, I never went to school to learn how to write music because it just came automatically. And, and then, uh, you know, so, 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 so I use my weakness as my strength, right? And, and that's where you, every people on the planet, you know, nature, nature itself is so equitable. If you see, you know, if you take out a certain species off the kind of food chain or the ecological system, you start to see other species die out. Or other species increase, and what that means is that that is an equitable system as it is. You know, if you suddenly take out all, um, you know, the, the 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 I think maybe a good example is snakes. If you do, if you think that okay, snakes are a problem, um, and and we're going to take them out uh, because we don't want to die because snakes are killing everybody unnecessarily what's going to happen is the snakes will get killed and then the rats will get increased, right? Because the snakes are not naturally there to kind of um, balance the rats off. Um, and, and, And I think that's also really important for us to ask, you know, what we need, even if it's bad, it can be used in the right situation positively. It's just that we need to be careful when we use it. And we need to be balanced in that approach that we need to balance it out because some nothing can be ever equal. It can only be equitable in the terms of a human being.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's also like um, underlining the beautiful concept of yin and yang, of duality, that within the good, there is a seed of bad and within the bad, there is a seed of good and that life cannot be either just white or black. It has to be a mix of it. It's always going to be the you can try the hardest that you can to only have good within or only have good happen to you but that is just not realistic to how life works and how life is and how it's supposed to be how it's created to be and i do believe that the path that you have been born to walk and the things that you went through and that you experienced are what you said what make you who you are they, don't, they didn't break you, they were not here to ruin your life from the get-go, from childhood trauma on, that you're going to have always, let's say, attachment issues, or you're going to be scared of a specific demographic of people, or you're always going to doubt who you are because that is what happened to you in the first seven years of your life. But you are here to learn, to get past your struggle, to learn um, acceptance, forgiveness, unconditional love, for yourself and for others. For those that did you wrong. You have to learn how to forgive them. And how to move on in life. And then when you're called to. Or when you're asked to. You can teach that to others. The thing that you said. To make your weakness your strength. I think that that is key. That is the most powerful thing. That we can pass on. And that we can gift one another. It is when you have walked. And worked. And worked. Through your biggest struggle, and you made a living out of it, you made your success out of it, you made your inner peace with it, and you can continue life blissfully. I think that that is the most energetically powerful thing that you can do. And then passing it on to other people, helping them to do the same, it is increasing the collective vibe of who we are. So, coming closer to the end of this episode, um, two-way brigade i wanted to ask you do you have any words of encouragement that you would like to say to our audience today
1: yeah yeah um thank you so much uh diana for for giving me this opportunity to to to, to speak and, and to share this information um and i think the last thing that i would probably tell the people who are listening is you know a time if taken can always lead to uh, something great. Um, It's important for people to understand that the time that you take to finish the finish line might not be the same as somebody else. But if you value yourself and love yourself enough to support yourself and encourage yourself, you will still finish um, the race, but at your own pace. And you need to do things at your own pace in order to understand that that's where the value and, 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 and the love and the freedom comes from. That's, that's what I have to say.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to have this wonderful, inspiring talk with me. I definitely did take a good part of it inside my heart and I'm going to process it and continue on from there to dive deeper into the concepts that we have talked about today. I definitely love your openness and being able to talk about what you've been through, all the experiences you had with belief systems and also what you think, what would help um, with brain chemistry, how to get past, let's say, those addictive behaviors that maybe are not so benevolent with us. And yeah. I just want to let all of you know that God is within. That all this divine energy is within you. But maybe you have not discovered it quite yet. Maybe you have not accepted it within within yourself quite yet. Because maybe you didn't value yourself. And you didn't think that you're worthy of having all this energy within. But we're here to tell you that yes, you do. And your path is unique. So if you continue on with your dharma today or if your dharma is going to to un- unfold maybe in the upcoming years or maybe towards the end of your life it's still going to be there and you don't have to make a profit out of everything that is just us living in a in a consumeristic world and just trying to make money out of everything that is good out of us, trying to milk us of our talents. And I'm here to tell you that that is not true. That is just the the programming that we have undergone and that we don't have to continue on to support. So if you're, for example, an artist, you don't have to stress over making money with your music, with your art, with your dancing with your talents in general you just have to continue putting art out there that is authentic to you that feels great creating that puts you in a fulfilled state of being while you do so if you create art because you have to because you're pressured to first of all it's not going to be as good as it would if it would come from a place of love and it's probably not even going to sell as well and i think that two-way brigade can tell his two Pieces of information about that as well, and then we can continue from there.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think you mentioned it pretty clearly. It's important to just to do what you love, and everything will come automatically. Um, you know, I asked my mom this question one time. I said, "Mom, you know, will I ever have friends?" You know, and I used to live in India at that time, and after. I asked that question maybe seven years ago and now i can say in my life that oh you know i have friends now because it took seven years to find people even though they're there everywhere um and i think this is the same with with art as well there's so much there's so much things out there to do that people might try many things um one of my friends uh, he told me this he's like oh you know you try so many things you know, you're, 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 you you know, you're the jack of all but the master of none. And, you know, that made me really feel bad because I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I'm not even somebody who is really famous. And yet there's so much lack of support and discouragement or the way they said it, I interpreted it in a negative way. And I would say after maybe, around know, seven, eight years, I heard this podcast where this lady was saying, that quote was actually incomplete because they say the Jack of all is the master of none, but always better than the master of one. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and that really hit me and that really motivated me to still keep doing what I felt like doing. And I would say anybody pursuing the art, any form of art, whether it's poetry, music, dance, art, you know, graffiti, tattoo, uh, designing, whatever, um, If you really love to do it, just do it as you would expect only from yourself, but make sure that you try to improve every single time you do at the same benchmarks that you set for yourself and only yourself. Yes, take feedback. You know, feedback is really, really important and make sure that you learn from the feedback. Sometimes it might hurt. Sometimes it might not. But if your ego is open and, and and ready to accept then you are not only accepting their feedback but you're accepting yourself right because when we accept ourselves we accept everything else and and and, and 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 what works for somebody now might not work for somebody later and what work, doesn't work for somebody now might work for them later so it's important to keep consistency and and keep doing what you love and feel feel good about the things that you do.
0: Most most definitely I agree to that. Thank you so much to Way Brigade for being part of this amazing podcast and giving so much inspiration and information to the listeners out here. I definitely also learned quite a bit from you. And I really did appreciate every every single second that we got to spend together. Guys, if you love the pod at least half as much as I do, then please rate it five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Share it with your friends and family. Send it to your mom. And would you like to say something to the listeners again?
1: I just say thanks. I hope you guys have a good 2024. Um, Yeah, That's it.
0: Thank you so much. I'm sure that by the end of this episode, you got the gist. Bye!